Our New Testament scripture this morning comes from the very last chapter of the Bible. I'll be reading Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 5. Then the angel showed me the river of, li- of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are cursed. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and God's servants will worship God. They will see God's face, and God's name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They will need no lamp or light or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. The word of God for the people of God. And thank you. Uh, I, while I was gone, uh, Rich Brune started his ministry with us at the piano, and I'm delighted, delighted. And so thank you, uh, Rich and Justin, for your music this morning. Uh, doesn't that make you feel a little... That was creation music. Yeah, I just felt like the world was being created and all the abundance that uh, is there. And... Uh, Yeah, wow. Well, I'm going to sit down. Uh, I'm glad to be back. Um, Life happens when you're making other plans. And uh, for for me, it's a a bulging disc that uh, causes significant pain. And I can't stand very long. Um, I can sit. Uh, I can't walk. Uh, I can't walk a block. But uh, I can see it. <laughs> so I've been sitting. I can ride a bike. That feels pretty good until you get off of it and then uh, pay for it later. So, uh, uh, yeah. So anyway, where did that come from? You know, you can trace it all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When... God said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day in which you eat it you shall die. That doesn't mean they would drop dead. That didn't talk about a bolt of lightning happening, because God doesn't create us to strike us dead. But when Adam and Eve ate from that, they not only believed the lie of the serpent, but they chose to be fully human. And thus entered in a a rationale for why things are the way they are. Uh, The story is told of Abraham Lincoln was walking down the street one day with his two sons. And both of the sons were crying. What's the matter with your boys? asked a passerby. And then Lincoln replied, same thing that's wrong with the whole world. I've got three walnuts And each boy wants two. 
You could trace that one all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Here the other day, uh, uh, what, what, the 42-inch water main broke in the east part of Wichita. It was right along a bike path I like to ride on, washed out part of that cement bike path, huh? of all things. And we had to start boiling water. I don't know how many of you rushed out to the grocery store and bought bottled water if you could get it. This week it was bottled water. It wasn't too long ago. It was toilet paper. And you had to boil our water because uh, the potential of bacteria from the soil getting in and contaminating the water, you know, if you really wanted to, you could trace all that back clear to the Garden of Eden when paradise was broken or, as some have contended, outgrown into the fullness of our humanity. Genesis 1, 2, and 3 help answer a lot of our questions for which answers elude us, like the question, why? Why are we here? Why is there evil in the world? Why do we have to struggle so hard to succeed? Why do our bodies break down and die? Why do women have severe pain in childbirth? Why do snakes bite us? Why do we have to wait to experience heaven? (laughs) I like this one. I'm going to ask this one when I get up there. Why do roses have thorns? And what's this about the survival of the fittest? Where'd that come from? Why do people get divorced? Why do people go to different churches? Why do some people want to wear masks and the others object? Why such vicious viruses in the world? Why is there so much crime and violence? And for heaven's sake, why can't the Republicans and the Democrats agree on anything? The ancient wise ones provided some answers to the question of why. The Bible is a library of speaking to the wise for which answers will elude us. We have the whole debate between creationism and evolution. Which is it? It's going to be creation or evolution? I say it's both. Why does it have to be either or? Because I believe science tells us how we got here The Bible tells us why we got here and why things are the way they are. And it all starts in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. Well, you know the story. In uh, the, we've had it read, the tale of two trees. There, you picture, your, picture this sanctuary as, as, as the Garden of Eden, and you are about the size of an ant. You know those little ants that crawl in the cracks and get into your kitchen? You don't know where they come from? That size. And in this garden that God has created for us is everything we need to be healthy, wealthy, and wise. Except one little thing. God put a tree in the middle of the garden 
which represented by this little tiny piece of paper. And he put it out here and said, you can have everything in the Garden of Eden. You can even eat from the Tree of Life because its leaves are for the healing of the nations and it bears fruit 12 times a year, not just once. But all I ask is one little favor. Don't eat of the fruit of that tree. Now, is that so hard? Well, tell that to me when I was little. It was in the afternoon, about 4 o'clock, when my mother had a habit of baking chocolate chip cookies in the kitchen. And all oh, the aroma would fill the whole house. <laughs> oh, and I could smell it, and I wanted one. She says, you've got to eat your supper, and then you can have a cookie. Well, smart as I'm sure I was, I knew that my mother would be in the other end of the house at some point, and sure enough, that happened. And so I tiptoed through the tulips, and I got into the kitchen, and it was one of those uh, little containers that uh, you, you decorate, and then you fire, and it's called pottery, and it has a lid on it. <clears throat> and so I thought, yeah, no one will ever know. And so I went and pulled the lid off, And my mother must have heard the little clink of the lid because as I was putting my hand in the cookie jar, Gary Robert, get out of the cookies. Oh, Mom, how did you know? It's the lure of the forbidden. If you want your kids to do something, just say don't. Besides, I'm wise, and I know, because the snake told me, I know that I won't die. Yeah, you won't get struck by lightning, but you'll enter into the world that will decay and rot and finally meet its end. But they didn't see that. They could only see about five inches in front of their face. Now, uh, some say it was an apple. They pick. These are good apples. These are Fuji apples. These are the best. Uh, I like Gala apples too. Forget the Honeycrisps. Anyway, but the possibility exists that really it was a Snickers almond bar. Now, which would be the most difficult to resist? Well, the snake said, it matters not. Because your eyes will be opened. Now, they could have been spared a whole lot of grief. They could have spared the world a whole lot of trouble if they'd have just steered clear of that. But inquiring minds wanted to know, would I really die? I don't think so, said the snake. Some say that the cause of that original sin was trickery. Because Adam and Eve really didn't have time to go to school. God hadn't had a chance to to inform them of what was right and wrong, what was good and what was evil. And so 
they listened to who was doing the talking, and it was the snake. And do we do the same thing today, don't we? And they chose to believe a lie. And they took of the fruit, and they ate, and their eyes were opened. Now they saw their nakedness, and they were ashamed, and so they made uh, uh, clothes out of fig leaves, and sewed them together, and they hid. And when God came calling in the cool of the evening, who told you that you were naked? Who told you to be ashamed? Have you eaten of the chocolate chip cookies in the cookie jar? Oh, I, I didn't do it. Someone else did. Someone else snuck in here. It was the ants that did it. I don't know. My sister, maybe, huh? But mistakes were made, Mom, but not by me. And you see how it enters into the world. And so, friends, we have a problem. And it's a problem that began years ago, and our wise ones who wrote Genesis 1, 2, and 3 were seeking to describe how it came to be and why the world is the way it is And so here we are. And we wonder why there's trouble. Now, the doctrine of original sin is a doctrine that developed throughout ancient history into the Old Testament and clear into the New Testament. I call it critical sin theory. Critical sin theory suggests as it interprets the scriptures, that we are a part of what happened in the garden with Adam and Eve simply because we're a part of the human family, because we were born. That's not your fault. Just like my daughter who came to me in a fit of rage when she was a teenager, and she says, I didn't choose to be born into this family. Not my fault I'm here. And really, that's true. It's not our fault that Adam and Eve did what they did and that it caused all kinds of ripples throughout history and there are all kinds of problems. You know, we can talk about discrimination. We can talk about violence. I didn't rob a quick trip this week. Did you? But we're born into the family. And critical sin theory would say that the stain of original sin is upon all of us just because we're human. Now, God created us good. Now, we messed it up because we have the intentional freedom to sin as well. And I'm sure some of you, if not all, have taken the snake up on it. And from time to time have gunned it to get through uh, before the light turns red, rolled to a stop sign, dropped the gum wrapper on the ground, and nobody will notice. Oh, I could go down the list. It's a long laundry list. And so we find that, well, it's not our fault. It is our fault. It's both and, and that's critical sin theory. (laughs) The good news is, 
what we're talking about for this season, what this emblem up here represents and the little charm that you have in your hands, that it's not the end of the story. Listen to this. If you will read Genesis chapter 3, clear to the end, you'll find that even though uh, little Gary got kicked out of the kitchen until after supper, I mean, Adam and Eve got themselves kicked out of the garden while they were leaving, God took the very best that there was available, the skins of animals, tanned the hides and the fur, and made garments that were comfortable and durable and would carry them through their journey into the unknown. It's often mentioned as the first dispensation of God's amazing grace. And the rest of the Bible is the story of that amazing grace and how God was searching out a people to choose for his own and how God has worked through history and then coming to us in Jesus Christ and doing for us what none of the others could do. And so there's an answer to critical sin theory, and I call it critical life theory. And it comes in Jesus Christ. The tree of life shows itself in many ways here and there in the Bible and most fully at the end in John's vision. But I'd say the tree of life was present on Good Friday, 33 A.D., about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, when Jesus cried out, It is finished. And the backwards is forwards that in his dying, we are made alive. And the Apostle Paul tried to explain this to his people and all of the churches time and time again because it's so good to be true that it's hard to believe and apply it to our own lives. That's critical life theory. Listen to Paul talk about it when he says, uh, for in him, this is from Colossians, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace by the blood of the cross. Did you hear that? All things. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but they are now justified by the grace of Jesus as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He told the friends in Ephesus, but God who is rich in mercy out of the great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with him and made us to sit with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. From Colossians 1.13, he wrote, He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The notion of being delivered in the Greek in that particular verse is the same deliverance that happens when a woman has a baby And the baby comes out to a new life and to all of the unknown, and it doesn't go back. When Jesus does a thing, it's done. 
And there's no need to go back. So the good news is critical life theory that says that when Jesus died on the cross, forgiveness was given to all that came before him and to all who come after, which includes you and it includes me. Now, I've got enough material here to keep you till 3 o'clock. But I'm going to quit. Because the story of this season of stewardship is a story of looking on to the tree of life, that vision that John had as he was languishing in pain and exile on the island of Patmos. He had this vision that one day, in a place where there'd be no more crying, no more pain, no more death anymore, where the tree of life would bring healing to all and would bear fruit at all times during the year, that we shall have life and it will fix the brokenness of the garden, it will fix the struggles that we have, and life will be full of hope, abundance, and joy. Next week, we'll take that up again. (laughs) Come back.